And this is the art of less doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. This 100th episode of the Less Doing Podcast is sponsored by Bulletproof and Dave Asprey, makers of products to increase your power, mind, and body. Bulletproof makes Bulletproof coffee. Well, they call it upgraded coffee beans. They have their cocoa. They have their MCT oil, their whey protein, collagen protein, all sorts of amazing products. But they're, one of their newest, which I think Dave is probably most excited about, is called Unfair Advantage, which is uh, a molecule called Active PQQ. And basically, it promotes heart cell and nerve function, helps to rebuild and restore mitochondria, and it increases performance of physical workouts. It's an incredible little capsule or these ampules and it's basically like the bulletproof version of five hour energy although it doesn't give you those jitters so thank you very much to bulletproof and dave asprey for sponsoring this episode if you use the discount code less doing you'll save on any purchase on upgradedself.com and you'll see dave at my less doing live event next may Welcome to episode 100 of the Less Doing Podcast. 100 episodes, our centennial episode. Thank you, Felix, for being a big part of this. Well, thank you for having me on board. I'm, I'm loving it. I, I don't think there's, there's any question that the podcast has taken a huge uptick since you've been involved. And I'm very pleased to be able to share my 100th episode with my friend and brother-in-law, Felix. Well, thank you, man. I'm honored to be a part of it. And um and I'm here to stay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you'll have me. <laughs> of course. So, well, if all our fans in Australia will have you, I guess. Can't, yeah, right. can't disappoint them. So uh, today, Felix is going to interview me. Uh, and we, we thought about this for a while. And I, well, so there's a couple things going on here. First of all, we've got uh, seven or eight, I think, two minute clips from some amazing experts who I've had on the podcast before. And they've basically given us one of their success tips or something that makes them more effective or one of their routines. And it's just these little segments of people who've been on the podcast before, sort of bringing them back with some really great actionable tips. And we're going to have that throughout this episode. Uh, Felix is also going to interview me, as I said, because we know that there's people who have not been listening to the podcast since the beginning. And we want to sort of bring back a little bit of how this came about, why we're doing this, why I'm doing this, and and what less doing is all about. And as usual, we're going to discuss the links of the week and and get to it. So we'll we'll start with that, and then Felix is going to take over. Cool. Well, thank you very much from Marianne's Light. It's the name. It seems uh, it's a review of the podcast. It says, "I'm very interested in this podcast and this topic." Our health is more and more important to us the elder we get. Calm and informative by Marianne's Light. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. We, we, love, uh, we love our reviews and thank you for giving us a review there for our 100th episode. So uh, before we get into the links, there's a couple things I want to mention. Well, one is a little bit of housekeeping. The other one is uh, a story. So the first thing is that, and I, I hope that nobody gets too upset about this, but we are not going to be having transcripts on the show anymore. We will not be offering full transcripts of the show anymore. And there is a reason. One is that while it was a good 
process that we had in place, good production process, it was slowing things down uh, because even the, the fastest transcriptionists were still taking two or three days to get things done. Plus, there were some inconsistencies. And quite honestly, and I've talked to other podcasters about this, it doesn't, it's not clear where the value is in the transcripts. I, there, I've only heard literally from one person ever who told me that they really like to be able to read the podcast. So, however, fear not. And, and let's let's not get the transcripts mixed up with show notes. For just exactly. Well, that's thinking that transcript is someone who actually transcribes the entire conversation that we have. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And that and that's actually what I was getting at is that we now have somebody whose name is Mike, who we found on Elance, of course, and who is providing awesome show notes. I mean, just awesome. And not only is he providing really cleanly formatted, formatted, well-organized show notes, but he's actually given us, there's timestamp notes. So, and he's put a lot of detail in there. So even without the transcript, you're going to get the gist of what things are happening in the podcast. I mean, literally like every minute and a half, he's got what we're talking about. He also gives you seven key points from each episode. So you get that right away. There are times where Felix and I or the guests and I have mentioned resources and I have forgotten to put the link in or met or wherever. That's never going to happen anymore. So all of that is going to be well organized. And the last he, I had him catch up with, I think the last seven episodes or so, and that's what it's going to be going forward. So I'd love feedback from people if they like it or they don't like it. But for now, uh, no more transcripts, just really great show notes. Yeah. And thank you very much for, for doing that, Mike. It is Mike, right? Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike. Yeah, from my yeah. Hands. So... The other thing I want to talk about, and Felix knows this already, but I had a, I, I'm still sort of in the middle of this little issue with Amazon. And I wrote a post, <laughs> I wrote a post about it. It's important because, you know, I, yeah, I've, I've recommended yeah. Amazon so strongly for such a long time. And I need to explain this, what happened. So about a month ago, I ordered something for my kids and it was a present from my mother. So we had this, it, we did it on Amazon. And it, so it was from my mom on her credit card and it came uh, gift wrapped with their names on it, whatever. Uh, and then I, I guess accidentally that became the default purchasing method for Amazon. So uh, like a week later, my mother called me and said that there were 20 charges or something on Amazon. And was that correct? And I, I was in the middle of something and I, I wasn't really paying attention, but I said to her, no, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, it shouldn't, that shouldn't be from us. So she challenged the charges with, with her credit card company. Fine. I immediately got 20 emails from Amazon saying this card, the card was refused for this charge. Uh, please write back with the card that you'd like to use. I wrote back to everyone. I knew immediately what had happened. I wrote back to each one immediately with the credit card that I wanted them to use and didn't think anything of it. Didn't hear anything. Three days later, I can't get into my Amazon account. So, and I can't reset the password or anything. So I contact customer service and you can't, it's very difficult to contact Amazon customer service. You can't talk to anybody. You can do a chat, but the chat is with somebody who's one level above a robot, it seems like. And they basically kept saying, I can forward your request to an account specialist who will get back to you in 24 to 48 hours. Nobody gets back to me. I tried three more times. Nobody gets back to me. And finally, the third time they tell, oh, and, and in the meantime, I had my mother reauthorize the charger with her credit card company. Still no communication with Amazon. And finally, three days of trying and I contact customer service again and they tell me that my account has been closed. Now this is upsetting is not the right word. It's just shocking because I've been a really good Amazon customer for probably 10 years as a, with less doing, I've recommended Amazon subscribe and save and other Amazon services really strongly and very publicly for years. Uh, and, and it's not even, that doesn't even matter. It's not like I need some sort of special treatment, but the customer service experience 
is one of the worst I think I've ever experienced. And not in the fact that people are incompetent or rude, but that you simply cannot talk to somebody. And they closed my account, which is, so I can't order anything from Amazon. Okay, fine. That's annoying. But all the streaming stuff on Roku and Amazon Prime Instant that the kids watch, can't do any of that. My All my digital content, my Kindle stuff, I can't access any of that. And I have an affiliate account with Amazon, of course, where I, you know, they pay me money because people buy things through my links. They canceled that out too, which is just insane to me. Um, so I open a new account. And three days later, they closed that one too. So clearly, I got somehow blacklisted by Amazon. I sent an email to jeff at amazon.com, which is Jeff Bezos' email, and supposedly you can do that. And two days later, uh, one of his assistants wrote back and said that he's, there was, he's the Amazon CEO. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Wrote back and said that they would reinstate my account if I provided a new credit card, which I did already. And now we are we are almost a week later, and it's still not open. So I am Amazonless and. Even if the account gets reinstated, which it sounds like it will, I, in good conscience, I don't think I can recommend Amazon anymore to people. And I wrote this post on the blog that uh, just posted the other day about how uh, basically I'm using Fetch from now on for to buy everything because they can buy things through Amazon too, but it's just a better customer service experience. And what I found, and you verify this yourself too, Felix, yeah. was that yeah, you really, if you take a time or you use something like Fetch to, to do the buying for you, you can get things quite a bit cheaper than you can on Amazon for a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, I highly recommend it. Yeah. So not to go on a rant or anything, but that's, that's sort of what happened. And, um, it's really crazy. So I, I, I'm, I was, I was really shocked with that, uh, with that whole experience. Yeah. Well, I hope we will get reinstated because it's, it's useful, but yes, it's, um, it's disappointing that they have no personal interaction with, um, there's no personal base. It just seems like it's all been done by a robot. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, so let's get to the links for this week. Yeah. Links of the weeks of the week. Links of the weeks. So uh, I've been playing around this week with the training mask. Now, Felix, you'll be able to see this. Nobody else will, but um, this, is, this yeah. is the training mask. <laughs> yeah, it basically looks like the mask that um, that the bad guy wears in uh, in the last Bane. Batman. You're talking about Bane, pretty much. It's the Bane yeah. mask. Okay, so yeah. training training mask makes this. It's basically a. Uh, a restricted oxygen mass. So it gives you the sensation of training at high altitude. And what they say is it'll help you grow a third lung. But what I like about this is that you can, it's, it's kind of hardcore looking, but it's pretty unobtrusive. It's very light. Uh, you can wear it during any workout. Uh, you can, what I know, I don't necessarily recommend like a beginner use this during a really hardcore workout, but you can turn an average workout into something a lot more intense, like yoga. You could wear this while you're doing yoga. Oh, that's um, clever. Yeah, yeah. You, you could wear it just while you're standing at your desk, probably not recording a podcast, but you know, writing <laughs> writing a document of some sort. Uh, so it's it's a really cool way. You, you can also wear it in the car even while you're driving. Like it's one of those things that you can just sort of throw on, and then that would frighten people, Ari. That would probably frighten people, yes. Yeah. But maybe yeah. they'd stay out of your way. <laughs> uh, so. It basically, it, it, it increases your interstitial muscles, makes you breathe more effectively, and you really can use it to increase lung capacity without doing necessarily a big, big workout. 
So it just makes breathing harder, basically makes you have to work harder just to, to breathe. Is that really what it is? Is that why you could do it sitting at your desk? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's a really, it's a, it's a really cool device. Wow. Um, so this week... I, I don't think I need to suffer anymore during my workout. And, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway. so, so this week uh, I got to try Google Inbox. Oh, I saw that on the show notes and I've gone ahead and request an invitation tell me all about it oh well for, i mean first of all i can i can send you an invite right now um oh, and, oh right and you should have said oh. something i could have done that but <laughs> the the bad news is, is i deleted it about six minutes after i installed it <laughs> okay. um so however you love mailbox the mailbox app and i bet i, I bet that you will like will like this actually uh and I, that was bad planning on my part. I should have actually sent you this invite the other day because then you could you could try it before the show. But you'll try it. You'll have to try it and let me know what you think. Okay. Um, for me, <coughs> excuse me, it added a level of clunkiness <coughs> that okay. I just don't like. I mean, but again, you love Mailbox app. So I, I think this is, this, you're more of the market for this. For me, I like to sort of just keep things as simple as possible, as you know, and I like my followup.cc. The other thing that annoyed me. Oh, wait, wait, hang, hang on. People don't know what inbox is. Oh, I'm that's no, right. Why. Yeah, go for it. Good point. So yeah. Inbox from Gmail or from Google is their newest uh, app and interface for accessing your email. And what it does is it intelligently bundles together emails that are similar. So like it's kind of like the tabs function that you have okay. now, but it does it in sort of a more streamlined way. It also has that built in sort of follow up CC functionality. So you can snooze emails and have them come back to you tomorrow or another day. Oh, okay. But it, it undid a lot of my filters and I didn't really like the bundling. And if How did it undo the filters? It basically overrided them. And then when I, oh, when I, I stopped see. using it, the filters weren't on anymore. Yeah, I see. So see, Mailbox doesn't do that. Yeah, right. So, uh, you know, yeah. it, it's good. It's a good step for some people, I, I'd say. But if you're already like a sort of a power Gmail user, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a great move. So, but that's my opinion, of course. You'll have to you'll okay. have to try it out and see what you think. Well, I will try it out, yeah. But I don't like the sound of the... Und- you sure it was undoing the filters? Oh, yeah. Well, so the, well it, okay. it, it almost did something more annoying than that. What it did was, so with my... Or, or you mean, did, or rather, did it just bypass the filters? And no, no, actually it actually changed them. It changed them. So this is what... Oh, it, my God. Yeah, so yes. what it did was yeah. that with... It's a very specific thing with the optional filter. You're telling it to uh, skip the inbox and mark it optional. This took out the part that skips the inbox. So it just removed that from all the filters. So it was still marking them optional, but then they're all in the inbox. Really, really weird. Very annoying. And I had to go in mm. and sort of redo that stuff. So uh, gosh, yeah. Did you back up have you backed up your um your settings, your filter settings? Because you can save all of those and then re- revert to them. Yes, I did, but yeah. it it wasn't recent enough. So yeah, I ended I up having to go through a few of those. But you know, it's yeah. fine. It is I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, mm-hmm. And and one of as you know, one of my issues with Mailbox before was that you if it didn't translate to the desktop, you know. Whereas that's why that's one of the reasons I like FollowUp.cc so much is that it's platform independent. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Mailbox, it's like if you're originally, you know, if you're making those changes on the app, then they wouldn't necessarily happen on the desktop. But now with Inbox, they're making it so it's pretty seamless between the two. So that is good. Uh, okay, that's yeah. definitely a good thing. Yeah. But I highly recommend Mailbox. I know, I, I know you love you. it. I cannot tell all the listeners. This is like just transformed my email experience in just a way that it, I, I'm no longer overwhelmed by email. It really is just wonderful and um, 
Highly recommend you check it out. It's a free app. It's awesome. Yeah, uh, and and I think that the principles of it are great. So <laughs> you just can't get into it. But that's okay. I understand. Yeah, I try to I try to run lean, you know. <laughs> but you should go to the follow up CC thing because that's I want to hear about that and that's right. related, right? Okay, so yeah, so yeah. I love this. Okay, so follow up CC. Yeah, the company I love. Uh, ha- oh, wait, 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 hold on. The inbox app <laughs> from Google is that is that an app or is that like a new interface? Is it uh, an iOS it's, app? It's both. It's both. It's an it, you can go to inbox.google.com on your computer, and there's yeah. also an app. Okay, cool. Okay, let's go on. Sorry. So no, no. So that's great. So uh, followup.cc uh, came out with their own app about two weeks ago, I think, and it's. It's it's really great, actually. It's very simple in some ways, but what it does is it allows you to manage your followup.cc's very effectively because it's one of the complaints that I've gotten from people uh, yeah. it, it, when they initially use followup.cc is that they're like, well, then now you know now I have fifty followup.cc's coming in every morning, and it's yeah. just a different kind of email. Uh, yeah. So first of all, the issue with that is that they're not pushing things out far enough. But with followup.cc, the app now you can go in and it's effectively like looking at a to-do list, and you can see what your next followup.cc are, and you can change them, you can delete them. So it's it's sort of built. I almost feel like they built it for me, which they kind of did because I'm an advisor, and. Uh, you look at it and it'll show you what your next follow-up are. And you can go in there, you can edit it, you can delete it. And it effectively turns those followup.cc's into very time-specific to-do items, which is really one of the ways that I recommend people use followup.cc to get rid of the to-do list. Yeah. So it's totally awesome. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I like about Mailbox is you swipe it, swipe your mail to the left, um, like a followup.cc, and then you have all of those times coming in and that is also like a to do to do list so um but i'm considering trying this one out as well yeah you'll you'll have to well you have to if nothing else to report back for the audience yeah right so right. uh there is a new sleep device a sleep tracking device which i haven't gotten to try yet but i had a really good conversation with someone about this there's a guy named uh michael bruce dr dr michael bruce who we're going to have on the podcast in a few weeks and he is known as the sleep doctor he's a very very famous uh sleep doctor and i met him at uh this event in arizona and i love the Bedit sleep tracker as you know and you know mm-hmm. it's so easy because you just lie on it you don't have to wear anything this is a different approach. So this is called the ResMed S Plus, and it sits on your on the side of your bed, and it you don't touch anything, and it doesn't have any contact with you. It actually mm-hmm. it, it <laughs> it's basically looking at you breathing, and it can determine everything from that: your heart rate, your uh, breathing patterns, your, your heart sleep. rate. Yes, okay. it can actually get all of that information without any contact, which is which is kind of insane, honestly. But what it's also doing is it's analyzing is light, noise, and temperature levels in the bedroom uh, and yeah. giving you the scores and stuff. And basically, it's supposed to take into account a lot more of the environmental factors. So I don't have a good judgment on this yet because it is kind of a big device and it goes on the side of your bed. It looks really cool and it and it and the science behind it is extremely advanced, which I like. The thing about tracking environmental factors that I always find odd is that 
you can pretty much control your sleep environment very well. You know, even if you live in like a city where there's sirens and stuff, you know, if you want to have blackout shades, you can control the light in your room. You cannot have any devices. You can control the temperature in your room if you have a thermostat. You know, so it's not necessarily things that are going to change throughout the night that, that mm-hmm. you need to know about. You know, like, for example, I woke up at four in the morning last night for a minute or something, you know, just for a second and went back to sleep. Uh, but I was aware of it. I was cognizant of it. Uh, and I, I don't know why that is, but if I found out that a siren went by at four in the morning and then I woke up, that's not necessarily useful information, right? Because what am I going to do? Okay. You know, so mm. uh, anyway, it's a, it's a really cool device. It's a, the, the first non-contact sleep tracker. So I, I'm really fascinated to tr- try out one of these units if I get a chance wow. to. Um, and speaking of the waking up thing, I went to visit a new pediatrician last week because uh, we're looking at one for our kids. And he explained something about sleep in a way that I've never heard somebody explain it when he was talking about getting kids to self-soothe and and sleep and stuff. He said that as an adult, you basically wake up four times a night, but you sort of move around, shift around, you go back to sleep and it's effectively you're self-soothing. Okay. And so I just thought that was interesting. I mean, I, I know that we go through cycles of, you know, near wakefulness and stuff, but I've never thought of it that way that we're basically waking up several times a night, but then putting ourselves back to sleep. So I thought that was a, a that cool way to look at it, yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, there. This is a very kind of specific one for people, but I, I like this. It's called Instapage.com, and it basically lets you create landing pages really, really quickly and do A/B testing on them. Now, again, this is a little bit of a geeky sort of thing of mine, but I love data. And for those, now, who, what, what, what's the difference between a landing page and and a website? What's the uh, right? So, yeah, landing pages are individual pages that are basically specific information trying to get somebody either to sign up for a, an email list or or if they're coming from a specific source you know so like if you search for anything on google most of the time like let's say you, something big like if you search uh, if you search for amazon Mm-hmm. The first result is going to be Amazon.com, but above that is going to be an ad for Amazon. And if you mm-hmm. click on the ad, you're going to probably go to a specific Amazon page that's like, hey, Google user, like, you know, thanks for like coming in. You get $10 off or something. Okay. So I that see. would that would be a landing page, you know. And, okay. And like, for example, if somebody said like, let's doing podcasts, you know, we could have a podcast landing page that just shows the podcast and it's like, you know, sign up here to get the latest podcast and then they can go into the main site. Okay. So it's sort well, of like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Of course. And, and that's something that we, you know, we have sort of in the works anyway. But what I like about this is that the A-B testing is one of the most interesting things I've learned about more recently. And with, you know, with A-B testing, you're testing two variations that are randomly served up to a user and then you see which one converts better. Uh, right. Okay, but the and so what? First of all, Instapage lets you do this very quickly. Create a page and also do A/B testing very, very quickly. And what's fascinating to me is the things that get people and the things that don't. You know, so it might be the size of the font, the color of the font, the place of the image on the page, a video versus an image, the color of the button, the words on the button, all that stuff. Mm. And you can test all that stuff and see which ones perform better. Uh, So I just love that quantification aspect of this, and it it makes it really easy with something like Instapage. Oh wow. That is cool. That is very cool. Yeah. Um, so there is, there was, an, <laughs> I'm almost like hesitant to bring this up, but I, I, I'm going to because I love it. There was an article about on uh, IOC, IO9 and it's called Every Single Flu Vaccine Myth Debunked. Right. So not, we're not going to get into a whole discussion about flu 
or about uh, vaccines again. Um, although, thank you very much for the people who were supportive of that. And for the couple people who gave feedback that they were not happy with that discussion, it was a discussion. We said very clearly that we were interested in hearing people's point of views on it. So I appreciate the ones that gave that. And we definitely don't want to offend people, but we also want to be able to have freely interesting, intelligent conversations. Exactly. And tell the truth. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. there, but, but, so there's a bunch of myths in here and then there's sort of the answers and, and backgrounds to it. But, uh, one of the ones that I thought was actually kind of funny was that it said that there's a myth apparently, which I don't know that flu vaccines cause Alzheimer's disease. Um, yeah. so, and they show, which is just an odd one. Um, so it's like you get the flu vaccine and you're going to start basically becoming demented. Uh, and there's a couple studies that show that that's not true. Uh, and then they also said that there was a vaccine, I mean, a myth that flu vaccines make it easier for people to catch pneumonia or other infectious diseases, which is absolutely the opposite, uh, because they basically were saying like it, it hurts your immune system while you get it and just protects you against the flu. And our, our immune systems just don't work that way, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. So uh, and then there was oh, wow. there are a lot of flu vaccine myths, aren't there? Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, and this was a oh. this was the one, too, that I really did want to bring up. People with egg allergies cannot get the flu shot. That is not true. <laughs> uh, and there's a reason for that is that original vaccines or some flu vaccines were cultured in egg white or egg, uh, the albumin rather. And okay. the, they've claimed that people were developing some egg allergies from them. Uh, right, right. It just doesn't work that way anymore. I will say this, however, when you get a flu vaccine, you do want to get one that's preservative free. That would be my recommendation. And of course, do your homework on the vaccine that your particular provider offers or you're going to a CVS or whatever. But just you do want to avoid those preservatives because those are an issue for several different things. But uh, anyway, it's a really good list. I mean, there's there's like 33 vaccines or myths about the flu vaccine and then yeah. sort of the rebuttal. So check it out. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is a, thi- okay, so this is, um, this is an interesting artificial intelligence thing. There's a company called Narrative Science, and they've come out with uh, this product or this service called Quill. And basically, it's an automated narrative generation platform, okay, for the enterprise that goes beyond reporting numbers. It creates perfectly written narratives to, con- to convey meaning for any intended audience. So... Essentially, what this is is like artificial intelligence for creating content, and it's pretty amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I was trying to understand this thing. So, what yeah. it'll do is, Let's, for like for instance, it will look at Google Analytics, mm-hmm. and it will give you like a natural language report based on that, and then sort of what you should do, recommendations stuff. So, oh, wow. it can take numbers and turn it into a story, wow. f- effectively. It's kind of amazing. It's um, impressive. Yeah. yeah, and I haven't been able to have a use case for this, but I, I just wanted to put that out there because it's a really interesting idea, and I'd love to see uh, if anybody has that experience with Quill actually and uh, what they could see using it for. So I've been using this app recently called Charlie App at charlieapp.com, and I'm very impressed. What it does is it looks at your Google Calendar, and it's connected with uh, LinkedIn oh, and Facebook. Oh, this looks so cool. Yeah, it, I would so love to check this out. There's other services like this, but yeah, but this one actually really works. And what it does is it basically will send you a one-pager mm-hmm. on the person that you are meeting with about an hour before you do. And so I've been using this for all of my podcast interviews for the last week, and 
it's really good. So it gives you sort of an overview of who they are. It shows you any recent press they've had, how you're connected to them if you are, uh, interests. And uh, it's it's really, really good. If you need to prepare for a meeting or a podcast interview or uh, you know a, a social outing, you just want to know a little bit more about the people, this is it's a really, really good brief overview. And, and there's been other apps that have tried to do this, and I, I think that they've really failed. This one looks like it's really nailing it. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Really like this Charlie app, uh, yeah, and then yeah. just a couple others here. So Paper Tiger, and I actually learned about this one because uh, I was I was at Joe Polish's office <coughs> where he has enormous amounts of paper and old records and things. And this is a fascinating thing that they've come up with. So what Paper Tiger is is a filing system for digital documents and physical paper documents. And basically, the claim is that you can find any paper document within six seconds. No, now what it does is it scans. You have to scan all of your your paper documents. Is that right? I mean, that looks like what it does. No, no, no actually. So you're. No. It does do that, but so then doesn't know about them. So you're cataloging them. Basically, it's essentially what it's like is a, a very small scale Dewey Decimal System. So it's like you know all of the documents. Uh, you're basically like tagging things and saying that like okay th- so now i have the documents for this legal case from 1984 and it's like okay well that's number 07645 and that goes here and then you have the filing system that's a physical filing system and then you can search for those things based on keywords and tags and yes of course if it's scanned that's even better but the idea here is for i, I what i i mean i think they're going for is the people who have just rooms of paper that they couldn't possibly necessarily scan it all but yeah. But you know where things are then, and then it becomes like... Oh, so, so, so you have to tell it, obviously, what you have in... Yeah, you have to files. catalog things, yes. Yeah, I see. And you give keywords as opposed to scanning the whole document. Exactly. I mean, this is... Oh, I see. But, That's but the, clever. Yeah, yeah and clever. this is the yeah. first time I've ever seen a company that does this for paper. Yeah, right. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, and again, they say that uh, basically you can find anything within 60 seconds. Six oh, seconds, wow. sorry, six, six seconds. Yeah. Okay. So paper tiger, if you have enormous range of paper that you really don't want to scan or can't scan. Uh, yeah. So uh, two more links, and then I know Felix has one. Uh, so Immersion, which is an MIT project, basically. You go to immersion.media.mit.edu, and then it will basically look at your email, and it gives you this really cool chart of who you contact and who you contact the most and then how those people are connected to each other. It's a really interesting visual. Yeah, I'd love to see this. I'm really... Well, you know, you talk about, we talk about 80-20 before, of course, uh, plenty yeah. of times, and this is 80-20. Like you're seeing, you know, there's literally like four people that I send, eight, you know, like 50% of my emails to. Yeah, sure. You know, it's like you, uh, my my. Uh, my father, my mother, and Anna, pretty much. And not even Anna. Like Anna, for those who don't know, Anna is my wife. And Anna doesn't, we don't send each other a lot of emails, actually, because she's not as much into email as I am. Uh, mm. But it's like you're pretty much like my number one person I send email to. And it's it's an enormous amount of emails. So it's yeah. kind of interesting to find out. Okay, so mine just popped up. So like Felix, you're this big orange circle. You're the second, actually. So my dad <laughs> is the first uh, because my dad and I work on a lot of different projects together. Right. But uh, it also shows you how many emails you sent, how many new collaborators you have. You know, so uh, my number of new collaborators has gone down in the last couple of years, actually, which is good. That's a good thing because of that boomerang effect of email. The less email you send, the less you're going to get. It's one of the yeah. ways to avoid it. But uh, it's also cool to see how the people that you email the most are connected to other people. And there's some really random connections that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily expect. 
for instance, you know, so like, uh, like if I click on your name, then mm-hmm. it's showing, uh, Basam Tarazi, which is a friend of mine who has interviewed me. He's a life coach. He does all sorts of really cool stuff uh, in New York. And I, basically there was an email that, Oh, you know what that's from? This is really funny. Remember when we went and played volleyball like three years ago? I was about to say, he's a great volleyball player. Exactly. So that was Bassam. And he's an Arsenal fan as well, which I can't forgive him for, but you know. (laughs) Good memory. Uh, So you and him were on an email together with me, basically. And so that's showing like a minor connection with Bassam. Just kind of interesting to see how those things work out. Um, Okay. And then the last one that I have is called Connect 6. So I've talked about Reportive before, which is a plugin for Gmail that lets you sort of get a really quick overview on the people that you're emailing with. You go over their email, hover over it, and it'll show you their LinkedIn profile, their, their latest tweets, like how you know them. Uh, so this is Connect 6, and it's very similar, but it works outside of Gmail. So you can do this uh, on Facebook and on LinkedIn, and, and you basically can get a lot more information about that person yeah. uh, and, and get sort of like a social snapshot. So this is great if you're trying to network with people or you're doing sales or any of that stuff. It, it just really helps you get that little connection that makes gives you that in to talk to that person. I, I was wondering, can I mean, can you do it on yourself and see what your own, what someone else would see from when they do it? For yes, you, you can. What's publicly see, available. That'd exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can do that. So, and what's your link? Uh, well, my link is Movie Collector because this is a big time saver and sort of, yeah, in a way, money saver, I think. Uh, basically, I have a DVD collection of over 300 movies and... Where are they? They're just, well, they're sitting in a, one thing we've done is we've catalogued them all, but only so much. So what we did is we took them out of their cases, put them into DVD wallets, you know, big like four by four one, and we put a number on each of them, have a spread, then we made a spreadsheet with that number um, assigned to each movie. So what we do before is we want to see a movie, look it up in the spreadsheet, go pull out the number and got it watch the movie but the problem is is i have this library and i basically know nothing about the movie and the, seeing a title of a movie that uh, i was given and doesn't really mean much so right. i wanted to have it organized and i discovered this software called um movie collector or actually it's they, they make a cataloging software for everything from books movies music and they have their own database and what I did is I had fancy hands. I didn't want to go through and plug in each movie myself. So I had fancy hands go ahead and do all of it. And they're actually working on it as we speak. There's um, little bits, of, bits and pieces that need to be fixed. But what they've done is they've gone through and added everything from that spreadsheet and put it into Movie Collector. And it's just this beautiful um, collection where you can see, you can, uh, they have an app which synchronizes with the online system and and a desktop app as well and so now i have you know my movie collection viewable by the dvd covers and i can see instantly which movies i've seen and haven't seen i can give it in my own rating i can see the plot filtered by genre i can see what the general review from rotten tomatoes is um that kind of thing and um and i've discovered all of these movies that i have that i would never considered watching so um got a lot of movie watching to get through <laughs> <laughs> nice though no, and that's i mean there are people with thousands and thousands of these so i mean that's yeah exactly yeah and this is a great way of doing it and i highly recommend getting fancy hands to do it and what i actually just did um because it's a complicated thing what uh, and and, a, and it requires quite a few tasks if you're 
Um, each fancy hands task is basically a worth like 15 minutes of or requires like 15 minutes of their time, supposedly. Um, so what I did is I actually made a screencast explaining exactly what needs to be done. And then they, they write back, say, this is going to take, you know, five tasks or seven tasks or whatever it is. Then you approve that. They go ahead, get to work and do the whole thing. So awesome. Yeah, that's great. All right. Okay. So that was, that was our, our bit for the hundredth episode. And now I'm going to hand it over to Felix to start the interview. And now it's time it's for the featured interview. So, all right. How did you get into less doing? Yeah, well, you know, uh, when I was, uh, I guess, eight years ago now, or nine years almost, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And for those who don't know, who haven't been listening for a long time, Crohn's is a chronic inflammatory condition that affects the digestive tract and it's very painful and I was taking a lot of medicine and getting really sick and after one really bad night in the hospital I decided I had to do something different so I went on this long journey of self-tracking and self-experimentation and got off my meds and as I was on my way to training for Ironman France I realized that I was doing well but not great. The the nutrition and fitness and supplement aspects of what was going on with my illness were actually pretty simple to figure out in hindsight, they were, they were sort of the simple component. The hardest part was the stress and stress is just such a huge component of inflammatory conditions of life in general. And the way to deal with that for me was to create this new system of productivity called less doing. So for me, it's something that I have to remind people of and I have to remind myself of is what I do and what we do now is really about helping people save time. I want people to be able to stress less. I want people to be able to use their brains the way that they want to. So for me, you know, less doing, more living, it's really about freeing up your time with the goal of stressing less and the goal of being more effective because most people I find when they're overwhelmed, they don't they don't even know what that idea is or what that great thing is until they give themselves that headspace to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I remember at the time you were, um, your diet was all over the place. I remember you would, <laughs> I mean, you know, it was back when I first met you, you would, you would just like eat a whole plate of something and of, of meat, basically. Well, not a whole plate or half a plate, but I remember you eat really fast. And, yes. um, and then, I was a terrible eater. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was, and then, and you look like a completely different person. I mean, looking at the, because of this inflammatory, um, all of your, you know, can't explain what it is, but, you know, you look like you were almost twice the size. I mean, you weren't twice the size, but just completely different. Ari looked completely different back then, everyone. Well, it's, it's an important <laughs> thing, you know, and I, I had, yeah. I, th- I had one blog post about this with, uh, with some photos, but I tried to stress the point to people that it, it wasn't that I was, it wasn't fat. It wasn't more like I was, I was definitely heavier, but it was like bloat. It was an inflammation. I just was like, yeah, puffy and big and uncomfortable in my own skin. But and how long had you actually been like that in that state? Well, you know, it's, it's almost hard to say. No, I mean, I, I guess it was probably almost two years at that point. I was, I, cause I have pictures of when Anna and I started dating where I was 
definitely like heavier and chunky looking. And, and it was still, it was like inflammation, but I don't even know if I, you know, I didn't realize it then. And I had other health things going on as well that were related that I didn't even realize. We, uh, we were on a vacation in St. Martin and we had to leave early because I was so swelled up and inflamed from what I thought was sort of an eczema attack. And it was like, it was bad. It was just all sorts of things were going on because, you know, autoimmune issues affect your body in so many ways that people think are very common, but then they don't tie it back to some autoimmune conditions. You know, we're talking about like skin, uh, acne, which is also skin, your hair quality, your fingernails, your, the, the way your tongue looks like this, your energy, everything can be affected by autoimmune conditions. Yeah. And, um, anyway, and so you were, so you did that and, um, you managed to cure your Crohn's disease, um, through diet and um well can you elaborate on that a bit yeah so actually it's it's i'm glad you're asking because there i you know i had my tedx talk that i and i talked about this and a lot of people seem to have misinterpreted some of the stuff i've said and some some people i've heard this a couple times some people thought that i was recommending a raw vegan diet for overcoming Crohn's disease, which is absurd uh, because I've never recommended that and I absolutely would not recommend a raw vegan diet to overcome anything. Right. Um, <laughs> unless you're trying to detox from like alcoholism or some sort of drug addiction because that would help because you would be eliminating a whole bunch of bad stuff. But the problem with the problem with vegan diets in general, and I want to be very, very clear about this because I know some very healthy vegans and I know some triathlon vegans, it's extremely difficult to do a vegan diet correctly. And what I mean by correctly is where you're getting all the nutrients and the proper nutrition that you need. Because most people, I mean, honestly, most people, when they go vegan, they go get the the tofurkey and the soy-based products and the processed like industrial almond milk, and then they're vegan. But they're not healthy because of that. Um, however, why is I went, that because they're lacking nutrients? Or? Yeah, well, first of all, soy, processed soy is not good for you. It's just not. It has. Especially in large format, large quantities, right? Yes, especially. Yeah. Um, it basically just increases estrogen production and all. I mean, it's, it's yeah. throws off your hormones and it's just, it's processed junk. Um, you know, if you're going to really be a, a vegan, a raw vegan, then you're going to have to have lots of fresh vegetables and, and fruits and, you're, you know, you're going to get your uh, protein from tempeh is okay. For example, uh, beans, like that kind of stuff. You can certainly do it, but a mm-hmm. lot of people don't do that. A lot of people will go for the, the whole foods, organic, you know, processed soy thing. And that really does not make you healthier. And I was vegan for about a month and I did sort of kind of feel better in some ways, but really that's because I wasn't eating McDonald's or smoking cigarettes anymore. I was being somewhat healthier than I was. Uh, I did go vegetarian, completely vegetarian for about six months, mm-hmm. which was a challenge for me. Uh, and a lot of that was also because I, what was crazy about that was that I, uh, my, one of my doctors at one point believed that uh, lettuce was a problem that I was, I was having a problem with lettuce and digesting it and it was causing obstructions. So now I was eating things like kale and mustard greens and really hearty greens and it was doing my body really well. And, and, there was a great infographic, which we're going to share uh, in a couple episodes, I think. But basically, it talks about the real superfoods. And the most nutrient-dense food like on the planet, basically, is watercress. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so wow. green watercress, which looks like very small cilantro, small lettuce, if you will. But it's, it's incredibly nutrient-dense. So I wasn't getting those greens before. Now I suddenly was. So I was getting a lot of the nutrition that I was missing. Right. But 
then there is still another problem with with vegetarianism, which is I know now is that you're, it's very difficult to get enough good fats. Now, of course, vegans and vegetarians can eat coconut oil. Um, some vegetarians, actually, I think a lot of vegetarians are, are okay with butter because they're not mm-hmm. you know you're not killing a cow to get butter. But generally speaking, you're not necessarily going to get a lot of those good fats. It's certainly difficult with veganism because you can't do butter. You know, you you can't do. Uh, certainly can't do bacon fats or any of those things. So you're, you're really limited to like olive oil and coconut oil, which is, which is good, but not quite enough. So I was vegetarian for six months and then I reintroduced fish. And quite honestly, I would say that I believe that one of the healthiest diets you can be on is a highly vegetarian and fish based diet. I love fish, salmon, mm, uh, yeah. salmon, uh, fish is wonderful to me. And that diet alone, I think it was probably one of the healthiest sort of diets I've ever had, uh, consistently, but then I reintroduced meat and, and I like meat. I mean, I love meat, uh, but it's really about eating organic grass fed beef, uh, pasture raised chicken and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, and eggs. I love eggs of course. And, um, uh, and, and heritage raised pork. So it, it, if you're, if you're going to go, and eat meat. You just have to make sure you're getting it from good sources. That's kind mm-hmm. of a big thing. But in the end, what I found was the the big kicker overall for the diet was high fat, low sugar. That was yeah. that was the key for me being healthier. Well, that leads me to my next question: Is that um, I mean, I stay, <laughs> I live with you guys for uh, you guys very kindly um, when we moved to the East Coast, um, put us up for four months in your house, and. Um, somehow didn't kick us out and um never so i got to closely observe um your diet and i one of the things i noticed is that you i've never seen you eat like any like pre-packaged food or like a chocolate bar or i mean i'm not saying you don't but i just didn't see you do that or You've if you seen did me i mean chocolate. <laughs> i've seen you eat chocolate yeah of course but i mean i haven't seen you like you you, you don't like you know pick up Reese's pieces. Or, oh no. Do you know what I mean? Like any of the sort of processed stuff, you know, yes. processed um, candy and things like that, you, that you'll find at the checkout of a, you know, supermarket. Yeah. And you know, honestly, it's a struggle for me sometimes because I've always had a sweet tooth. And after Ironman training, I was like addictive level sweet tooth stuff and sugar cravings still crop up with me a lot. And actually it's one of the things I just talked to the guy from uh, Pavlock about, you know, the, the, the uh, wristband that can shock you and change your behavior. Oh yes. Um, so that's, that episode's coming up soon, but uh, you can actually associate a shock with eating something sweet and then basically in your brain rewire it. So you don't oh, want right. the sweet thing. So I'm going to try wow. that. Uh, but, wow. but, but you tend to make like a yogurt or something with honey and berries and thing and chia yeah. seeds and the cocoa powder. Yeah. Well, yeah. so one of my favorite, that's true. One of my favorite desserts was uh, full fat yogurt with a little bit of raw honey, uh, frozen blueberries, and then uh, nuts of some sort, and maybe cocoa, raw cocoa powder, maybe some chia seeds, depending on how hungry I was. However, not doing that now in the winter because right now the the yogurt I feel like is a little bit mucus inducing for me sometimes. So uh, you have to eat seasonally, which is one of the things I've also learned over time. Hmm. But one thing I want to point out to people listening too is that I am by no means perfect. I mean, we have we have three little kids. Oh come on! There, you all know. Hey, come on! There, there are times when you know they're they don't want to finish what they're eating, and it's not necessarily something that I would uh, 
uh, make for a meal for myself mm. and or it's not even that it's like I try not to snack but there's plenty of times when you know either they they take a bite of something and they want to stick it in your mouth yeah. and I'm not going to spit it out uh, or it's like that's how I clean up the table sometimes you know I just kind of eat what's left on the table and yeah. that's not ideal but I feel like you have to be 90% you know like you have to be as good as you can be in most cases and and a key thing also is that and this is a trap I've fallen into many times where I'll eat something bad and I'll regret it. And then it's like, oh, well, I messed up. So I can just go on eating badly for the rest of the day. And no, it doesn't work like that. Like every decision you make, you, you can change that in the next moment. Yeah. So if you eat something bad, it's like, okay, fine. So then go on and eat something good. Uh, because a lot of these bad foods are designed to be addictive. And yeah, right. they're right. very effective at it. Yeah. But as far as the packaged food thing too, is one of my issues not issues. One of my things is I try to limit variety to some extent. You know, I like my staples. Like I try to have this smoothie every morning for breakfast that I, is always the same thing. And it's just sort of like, it's a consistency that I find very important. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, the, the thing I wanted to, to get across to people is, you know, you've, um, you know, you have this, you know, you're less doing podcast and, um, you know, and you're, and you preach all this stuff, but you, you know, having stayed with you for four months, I get to see exactly what you do and when you work and how much you're, and you, you really do this very successfully yourself. You really do practice what you preach. And I find that really impressive. And, you know, Ari is, he's extremely, he's gone from someone who is not, not in shape at all. I don't know what you were like before I met you, but, um, you're certainly extremely fit in shape (laughs) And, you know, we, we work out every week. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I weigh nothing. I'm very light and, but I'm not in shape. You know, when we go and work out, Ari's barely breaking a sweat and I'm, you know, collapsing on the floor along with, you know, half the other guys in the room. So, um, it is, uh, it's impressive. This guy's the real deal, you know? Thank Um, you. And also, also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a composer and I, you know what I do requires. You know, there's not really much escaping um, the amount of hours that I need to work. But uh, everything that Ari that you've taught me with um, you know productivity um, has has really helped. Um, you know, reduce the amount of hours that I need to work and be much more productive. And um, but I also see that I was able to see you when I was with you that you know you would only work a few hours a day or not even every day and i would wonder how this is possible and i sometimes still wonder but but anyway it's obvious with uh with everything that you're um explaining yeah thank you so um so how did you we've spoken about the health side of it how did you get into all of the productivity um stuff well, so this is, I have to tip my hat off to Jameson Detweiler, who originally co-founded the blog with me, but just for a couple of months, Jameson and I met, um, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I think when I was in college still, and he was at Drexel, I was at University of Pennsylvania and we, uh, we, we sort of stayed in touch, but basically he was into productivity. I was always into technology as you know, with mm-hmm. the various companies and, uh, I was always a big sort of power email user and like trying to manage things that way. And even in college, the whole choose your own work week thing was part of my, my living essence because uh, the last two semesters of college, I only had classes two days a week and keep in mind, not, this isn't to brag, but for people listening, like I, 
I graduated a year early from college with two majors and two minors. And to do that, I had to take a lot of extra classes. And wow. my last two semesters, I had seven classes each semester. And I only had classes two days a week, which is a really eye-opening experience for me. I had these long, you know, nine hour days, but I had a day in between. I had a four day weekend every, or, you know, four day weekend every, every week. So uh, that was really amazing for me to learn what I could do with my time in a better way. So I, I've sort of always been in this periphery, but Jameson and I sort of got into productivity stuff together. We started writing the less doing blog and then he very quickly went on to start, uh, uh, now I'm forgetting the name of the company actually, but it was a company that let you create viral landing pages. It was one of the first that did that. And he created that in a, a weekend sort of hackathon, which was kind of amazing. But, uh, yeah, he sort of helped me together. We, we came up with I think the first three or four fundamentals together. And then I took it from there. But basically uh, that was, that was sort of what helped kickstart the idea. Wow. Yeah. And then how did you get into coaching people and um, doing all of that? Well, so that's a funny story. And if my, my first coaching client is listening to this, uh, he'll probably appreciate this, but I basically, it was, it was so funny. Like it was kind of putting the, the course, the horse before the cart, but I, or the cart before the horse rather I had like, I don't know, seven blog posts written and a couple ideas. And it was like, all right, let's, let's write a book. You know, it's like, we're ready for a book. We had no audience, no like really figured out system, but I wanted to write a book. So the idea was that I would try to teach a class or two and see how people responded to the content. Because at that point I was really like writing in a bubble, you know, I didn't know what people were thinking of it. So Skillshare launched at the time and Skillshare is a platform that lets anybody teach anything. So you basically, you list what you want to teach and then people can sign up and pay and go learn it. My mm. very, my first less doing class had eight people in it. And all I did was go through a whole list of websites that I thought were really cool and like how to use them. And, and people liked it. And then I started teaching more and more. And within a couple sessions, I was teaching, uh, you know, 40, 50 people per class, like once a week, every week. And it was, it became one of Skillshare's top classes and oh, wow. it helped me develop a lot more of the content and I really enjoyed it. And it was, I loved it. And, uh, after one class, somebody came up to me and asked if I did private coaching and I was without hesitating. I was like, yep, no problem. And you know, this is what it costs and this is what we're going to do. And, uh, and we started working together and then every class, pretty much I got a new coaching client until I was, I think I was coaching 15 or 16 people at a time in person, which I don't do anymore. And it was, it was really amazing because, I really try to look at all those experiences as learning experiences for me. And I got yeah. so much out of those conversations that increased the uh, effectiveness of the system, the wide reach of the system. And it, it just sort of snowballed from there. And then, you know, of course, now we have the mastermind coaching group, which I don't really do individual coaching anymore. So I have the group coaching and the boot camp, and it just continues to grow and grow with uh, a larger, more widespread audience. Wow. Yeah. No, that's cool. I, I remember I came to one of your Skillshare classes a long time ago. When you were in LA, did you you did one, right? Right, yeah. So we, yeah. that's right, we did one in LA and uh, yeah. at the Soho House in LA, yeah, which was really was awesome. fun. Yeah. And yeah, that was good. We even made a made a believer of your very, very skeptical friend, Mick. Oh, he's, he's, uh, he's probably listening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, shout out to Mick. No, they were really impressed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because Felix warned me that his friend Mick, who was Polish and very stern in some ways, uh, basically was going to be really critical of my system, and uh, he, <laughs> he he liked it. And I've talked to him about oh, it. No, since. he was he was frantically taking notes. Yeah, he's yeah. very yeah. He was in awe. Um, cool. So, um, I mean, I've 
pretty much wraps it up, but yeah. I've, I've got a few other, yeah, few other specific yeah, questions here. And this is one that always puzzles me. Um, you know, we're both so into our, well, I'm really into the, to our phones and technology and, um, you know, how we both are. And uh, how the hell do you get by with so few apps on your phone? I mean, I know that you have like, I look at your phone and I'm expecting like to see like a gazillion apps. <laughs> you don't, there's like, there's like one half a page of apps and there's like room, most of it's taken up by a photo, right? Yep. Yeah. How do you do this? And what apps or just... Yeah, no, we can go through that. Yeah. So first of all, I have four folders on my on my home screen and that's it. Uh, and they are productivity, utilities, audiovisual, and home control. Okay. So first of all, I have a lot of bookmarks. For, I don't have any bookmarks on my computer, any, but in the phone, I have a lot of bookmark web apps, you know, like for instance, Uber, you really don't need the Uber app. You can use the, the Uber, the m.uber um, website for the, you mm-hmm. know, times you use that. And it really does work effectively. Same thing for TaskRabbit, same thing for uh, Elance. Like there's a lot of ones where yeah. the web app honestly works just as well. Oh, cause it's really, cause the web, the app is often just a portal to, exactly. to the website, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that's one thing. And the <laughs> reason I like that is that it, it, you know, the, the phone obviously runs faster with less apps on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, uh, all your bookmarks are synced to the cloud. Uh, obviously, you know, your apps are technically as well, but for me, the, the bookmarks are just easier. It's like, it's just, it's there. It'd be really easy to recreate. You can back it up. It's safe. And you know, you can access a lot better that way. And also, of course, that's for the things that I don't use on a regular basis. Uh, but my, so my home control folder is essentially, you know, things like my nest thermostats and the Sonos and the, the Roku and things that are for the home control. So that's, you know, there's not a lot there. There's just, there's the ones that I need to use. AV is like a lot of the photo ones and video, Instagram, my podcasting app, that kind of stuff. And then productivity uh, is things like Fancy Hands app, the Fetch app, of course, Feedly, uh, IFTTT, Fiverr, like that, those kind of things. And I really try to limit myself because I, I really do go through that idea of like, do I need this? Am I going to be using this a lot? And if not, yeah. then I just don't have it. So I, I limit myself to those four folders Okay. And many times I'll download an app or two and it'll be on the home screen and I'll try it. And then it's either it goes or into a folder or it gets deleted. So I never sort of leave apps lingering there that I'm not going to be using. Wow. And, And again, the motivation there is one, the phone will run faster. And two, if I need to go use somebody else's phone or if I lose my phone and I need to get reset up on something else, it's just less things to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're a big believer in that. Um, Wow, I wish I could, um, yeah, need to try and do that. <laughs> um, and um, we talk about a lot about Evernote, and I know that's a central to your productivity system. Uh, how do, tell us how you use Evernote and what notebooks do you have in Evernote? So I, I kind of live in Evernote. I mean, the, the, the only, okay, so I have like dozens of notebooks, but I don't really use them. A lot of them are sort of auto-filled or, or you know, they're auto-populated some way. So I have like dozens of folders in Evernote, but I don't really use them actively. Like a, most of them, most of them are auto-populated uh, in some way or another. So okay. like, for instance, I have uh, the file this folder, which has all of my bills and things that is pulling in from the file this website all the e statements that you know i don't really look at that it's more of like a backup uh 
anytime I take a picture on Instagram, it goes into a folder that's done through IFTTT. Uh, you know, blog posts, all my fancy hands requests and communications are shared in Evernote. And the reason that I I want all of that stuff in Evernote is because it becomes this like searchable repository for everything in my oh, life. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I even have a folder that's called cards and it has 31 pictures of uh, credit cards or insurance cards or things that I just never wanted to carry anymore, but I do need to have sometimes. Right. And by the way, you'd be amazed at how often a copy of something is acceptable when they don't really need the physical. Oh, I mean, really? I've used, ins- I, I haven't carried an insurance card in years and I've used the copy of it at doctor's offices, at hospitals, everywhere. Wow. So that, that's, that's a, a key one. Um, but the, the two that I really use mainly is I have a projects folder and that's where I kind of, it's like a sort of a brain dump, but basically where I put ideas that I know will turn into other things. It's not a to-do list. It's more of like, like for instance, right now I have in here, uh, uh, less doing internship, which is something that I I'm, I'm trying to create an internship, but it's, there's nothing in the note. It's just the title. And it's something that I can sort of throw notes in there and work on it until it becomes something actionable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the podcast links folder, which is the one that I use the most, honestly. And that's, you know, what you and I work off of. So we have yeah. a note for each podcast and it has the links that we're going to talk about, the, sh- the show notes, uh, the person who writes the show notes gets their information out of the assistant who posts to Libsyn and the blog gets their information mm. from that. So that's really pretty much that's the main way that I'm using it. It's sort of like a, a workplace in a lot of ways. And I spend so much time in Evernote. I love, I love Evernote. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So are there, are there any particular sort of organizations or clients that you want, that you're looking to, uh, to approach in the future? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying, well, one of the things I'm excited about is I'm, I'm getting to do more webinar based trainings, you know, so I, I'd really try to limit my travel as much as possible because of the family, as you, you know, understand and know. And, and, I've been to some conferences where I try to limit it to at least to no more than like once a month where I'm actually traveling somewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's really nice now that the way the technology is like you can do a training for, you know, a company of 20 or 200 online and they can ask questions and you can sort of run things that way. So I'm more excited about doing that kind of stuff. And the way that I approach working with teams and companies is really to try to make the individuals as productive as possible. So uh, it's, it's been really exciting for that. What I also like is that I've been able to interview some unbelievable people for this podcast. You know, mm-hmm. I just I just talked to Jordan Belfort last week. Uh, I just got off the the phone with Esther Perel, who's an, this amazing couples and sexuality therapist in the world, like who's TED speaker and just incredible woman. Um, so the podcast has just opened up so many doors for me to personally for me to learn from these people when I have these conversations with them. So I love the podcast. I love what we do, creating content. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, the, the bootcamp program is really exciting and the mastermind coaching. And the, the biggest thing that I'm excited about right now is that live event that we're doing next May, 2015 in the city, the first three day in person, less doing event for hopefully a couple hundred people. Oh. So you're going to have to be there and give a talk on podcasting. Yeah, you bet, man. Well, everybody, I hope that you've enjoyed the work that Felix and I have been doing and putting out there. We're continuing to do this. We've got 18 more interviews in the in the can right now, uh, and I continue to do more every week. So we we love we're loving this two two postings a week schedule. Um, our Felix is continuing to make sure that the sound quality is excellent and perfect. Oh, and for those who pointed out some errors in the david allen podcast thank you for that feedback yeah thank you very much please keep that coming and my apologies got that fixed right away 
Um, but it's really nice that, you know, that, that lets us know that people are listening. So that's, that's really good. Uh, thank you to our sponsors. And also thank you for everybody who contributed their little two minute success stories to this episode, our 100th episode. So thank you for this and for another hundred episodes after it. Now to end this episode, we're going to hear some words of wisdom from a few of the amazing guests that we've had on the podcast before. Thank you so much for all the support that you've given us and for your wisdom in the years to come. Hi, it's Ben Greenfield from bengreenfieldfitness.com and Ari Mizell is a dear friend of mine and of course a fellow father of twins. Now, speaking of having twins, I do certainly have some times during the day where I get a little bit tired and one of my personal habits that definitely makes me more productive the rest of the day, as ironic as it may seem, is sleeping in the afternoon. Nearly every afternoon, I take about a 20 to 40 minute power nap, and I actually biohack my power nap. I not only use a sleep mask and earplugs, but I also sleep on an infrared device called a biomat, as well as have a pulsed electromagnetic field device called an earth pulse under my mattress. Now, when I combine darkness and quiet, along with that infrared and pulsed electromagnetic field, my body heals pretty quickly in that 20 to 40 minute time span. And I wake up feeling like a million bucks and ready to take on the rest of the day. So that's my little personal geeky habit that makes every day more productive for me. Hello, this is Hal Elrod, author of the number one best-selling book, The Miracle Morning. And the personal habit or ritual of mine that, that really makes the biggest impact in my success and my productivity, uh, this might sound biased, but, but it is indeed The Miracle Morning. Uh, it's the one thing I do every single day that, that really puts me in the optimum mindset, uh, really en enhances my physical, mental, and emotional vitality so that I can be the best version of myself to really create the most productive uh, successful day each and every day, you know, that leads to the, the achievement of my goals and, and success in my life. Um, as far as one resource that I can recommend for being more effective, uh, at this point, I'm going to recommend the five-minute journal. It has become, uh, for me, my favorite aspect of my Miracle Morning, doing my five-minute journal. Uh, I do the app on my phone. I've also got the hardcover for my wife and I. Uh, we love that as well. So thank you. Uh, here's to your productivity and Miracle Mornings day after day after day. Take care. Hello, my name is Joe Polish, and I have a company called Piranha Marketing and Genius Network. And a personal habit and ritual that has been enormously valuable to me is going to the public library and basically focusing there. Because when I'm in an office, uh, I tend to escape work versus focus on work. I get interrupted a lot. There's a lot of my books and various personal things all over the place, business things, all kinds of stuff to remind me of projects and I like being in an environment where I'm incredibly focused where I can sit down and not have to worry about anything around me and so I, I tend to like quiet places and I can get more work done in a library in about an hour than if I was in my own physical office uh, for like you know four hours so it's it's an incredible multiplier of focus for me and as far as a resource that I can recommend uh, a voice app 
app, like on an iPhone as an example, where instead of sending someone an email, I like sending videos and text. Uh, I think it's more personal than sending a you know written text or a, a written email, and I use it all the time. I like getting as close uh, to in person as I possibly can, especially when I can't be face-to-face with somebody. And as far as what I do for a living, teaching people direct response marketing, my podcast, uh, ilovemarketing.com, which is the top marketing podcast on iTunes, and 10xtalk.com, which is a podcast I do with Dan Sullivan on how to grow a company 10 times. So those are some uh, free resources, incredibly useful, and hopefully you'll find them valuable. And of course, uh, listening to what Ari says at Less Doing because he's an enormously awesome and very smart productivity guru. And so I, I recommend that too. Go deep with it. Hello, this is John Bowen, CEO of CED Worldwide, and I have the privilege with my team of coaching some of the most successful financial advisors from around the world, and they are very interested in productivity. Now, you can check all this out at our website, www.cegworldwide.com, but it's been a great journey, and Ari has been an extreme help in being more effective in what we're doing. The good fortune of seeing Ari on Creative Live and just started implementing many of his recommendations each week, just doing one at a time, and there were so many that stuck. But let me just give you a couple that have helped a lot for me. I was overwhelmed with email. I've got multiple businesses. We've got a virtual team. We've got a lot of clients. It was tough. Well, going ahead and using the processes on email that Ari recommends. I have Microsoft Outlook because I'm a financial guy. We use uh, Microsoft products and PCs. Use SaneBox was just great at automatically sorting all this stuff and making it very easy. I use the lessons that Ari taught me uh, for Evernote because, again, Microsoft products, I like OneNote and I am very organized on all my projects. They're all at my fingertips. You can share it with the group. It's just, it's great to have that. And then Dropbox for all our files. Not only did I use these things, but we were able to take that to our mastermind group of top 200 advisors. And Ari came out and presented and just hit it out of the park. Many of them have joined his mastermind group and his other groups just to stay in touch because they know how important it is to be effective. One particular resource I'd recommend that has helped all all the financial advisors who have used it, as well as I use it religiously, is Fancy Hand. It is a great task manager, virtual assistant. If I have any questions at all, I just put it out there. The talent for an extremely low cost, just an unbelievable service. There's so many of those tools. Make sure you're using the lessons that Ari's teaching us all so that we can be more effective in serving our clients and have a great life. Wish you the best of success. Hey, this is Jordan Harbinger from The Art of Charm, Ari's BFF. One ritual that contributes to my success is making damn sure that everything's on the calendar. It sounds overly simplified, but I'll tell you what. You follow that calendar in 15-minute increments, and you'll watch your productivity triple at least. So check out your calendar. You've already got it on your computer. iCal's great. Google Calendar works just as well, and synchronize it with your phone. If the alerts are getting annoying, it means it's doing its job. So enjoy that one, and you're welcome. Hope that helps, and enjoy your success. Hi, my name is Commander Mark Devine, founder of SealFit and creator of Unbeatable Mind. And I'm excited for Ari's 100th podcast episode. Congratulations, Ari. One habit that has 
dramatically accelerated my success in life is what I call daily integrated training, where I seek to integrate training of the body, the mind, my emotions, my intuition, and my spirit. Call those the five mountains. And if you want to learn more about this, the best place is a book called The Way of the Seal by some fellow named Mark Devine. So, hoo-yah. Sorry for the self-promotion, Ari. Anyhow, congratulations. Have a terrific, terrific 100th podcast. Hoo-yah. Commander Devine, out. Hey, this is Stephen Calder from the Flow Genome Project. Ari, congratulations on the 100th episode. Really well done. Great job. Keep them coming. The ritual of mine that that leads to success is something I stole from Arnold Schwarzenegger years ago in an interview. He talked about always doing the fourth set, meaning when people work out, they always do three sets of 10. He always added in a fourth set. I kind of applied that across the board every day. I kind of go into my day knowing there's going to be something, whether it's my writing, whether it's physical, I'm going to do whatever. where I'm going to need to do a fourth set, where as much as I want to be done with the task, it, it requires me going back, starting over and digging in and just doing it again. And I just, I do that honest to God because I kind of figure I'm not the smartest guy in the room or the most talented guy in the room. And the best thing I can do is outwork other people. And that fourth set attitude helps me with that. And one resource that I can recommend for people being more effective Go to the Flow Genome Project website. That's flowgenomeproject.co. That's .co. Take our free flow profile. uh, Figure out which areas in your life create the most flow, which directions you should move in for the most flow. It's a great, great, great guide to tapping into more flow in your life. All right, that's it. Thanks for the great work. Talk to you later. This is Steve Robbins from Get It Done Guys. Quick and dirty tips to work less and do more. My personal productivity habit is that I carry around a capture device with me everywhere. It's a small notebook, and everything that happens during the day goes into it. I write down to-do items. I write down ideas that I have for future episodes. I write down things having to do with my coaching clients. Whatever comes up, to-do items, all of it goes into that notebook. When I get back to the office, I go through that day's notes on the notebook, and I transcribe them into whatever system they ultimately belong in. To-do items go into my master task organizing system, calendar of events go into my calendar, ideas go into the appropriate file, either they get written out longhand or I just take a picture of the page with my iPhone and put it into the appropriate folder, so on and so forth. Productivity tool is the capture device. What I recommend for other people in terms of products or apps or websites is get yourself a beautiful Moleskine notebook and start taking notes by hand using a really nice pen or pencil that has uh, smooth flowing ink, something that gives you a nice tactile feel. The reason is not just because they're gorgeous products, but there's been a lot of research which shows that when you do things by hand, you retain it more and it gets better integrated into the knowledge and the planning and the stuff that you're doing. So do not underestimate the power of doing things offline. And the most beautiful products I know of to do that are the Moleskine brands. It's Dave Asprey, the Bulletproof Executive. And one habit that I have that's made a huge difference for me is drumroll Bulletproof Coffee. But that's actually not what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about the habit of listening to what's going on right in the center of your chest, right behind your sternum. 
keeping a little monitor there and noticing when something disrupts that, when it feels off. And then building the habit of taking a slow breath in through the nose and a slow breath out through the nose when that happens. If you watch me carefully, you'll see I do that quite often. And it's a way of calming the sympathetic nervous system and keeping yourself in that calm and focused state that can really make a difference in how you interact with yourself and how you interact with others. So if you're working on being more focused or more persuasive or just more kind, this is a way you can do that by just monitoring your own biology. One resource that can help you get this kind of willpower and focus is the new Bulletproof Diet book. I'd be grateful if you would pre-order it at Amazon. Just check out orderbulletproofdietbook.com and I'll give you nine extra free bonuses and I won't try and sell anything else either. Just a way for you to get an advanced copy of the book and to support my campaign to be number one on the New York Times list. The book is as much about willpower as it is about nutrition. It includes sections on sleep and other things like breathing and heart rate variability. Anything you can use to hack your nervous system. This is a compilation of some of the most important habits that I do every single day in order to make myself perform better so I can do what I'm here to do. Thank you, and thanks for your work, Ari. Hey, it's Ben Greenfield here, and I also want to recommend one resource that will make you more effective. And my resource, being a fitness nerd, is actually a fitness resource for making your workouts more effective. Now, because I have kids, I like to include them in my workouts quite a bit, but unfortunately, the length of their little six-year-old legs means that sometimes I got to slow down or not work quite so hard when I'm working out with my kids. So I figured out a way to make my workouts more effective, and the way that I do that is I wear a 50-pound weighted vest, and you can buy weighted vests in anything from 20 pounds all the way up to 50 pounds off of Amazon, eBay, your local sporting goods store, etc. And then the other thing that I do, if that's not enough for you, is I wear one of these elevation training masks that actually restricts oxygen while you're exercising. So I can literally turn a hike in the forest with my kids into a kick butt exercise session that burns a lot of calories and gets me very fit and strong in a short period of time. And frankly, you could also use this strategy as long as you don't mind your neighbors giving you funny looks while you're cleaning your house, mowing your lawn, doing your laundry, etc. So that's my tip for making your workouts more effective. And again, I'm Ben Greenfield from bengreenfieldfitness.com. Greenfield Fitness.com.